This morning we want to talk about about my father's business. And we've been discussing over the last uh, month or so, we've talked about uh, the things that uh, are happening around us here in the United States and around the world and how the evil one, Satan, has been attacking us as Christians. Uh, we've shown you what to do, how he does it, and how to have peace through it. But now we need to get back to the Father's business of spreading the gospel to a lost and dying world. And I want to read Luke 2 and uh, 49. This comes out of the King James Version. And he says unto them, meaning Mary and Joseph, How is it that ye sought me, which ye not that I must be about my Father's business? And this morning we need to be about the Father's business. We know what the enemy's doing. We know how he's acting. We know what uh, we can do to have peace in that during that time of tribulation and trials. And we know that this is all for a purpose to bring us back to God. We've let him go by the wayside. We've, we've said, well, we can take care of ourselves now. But God says you need to come home. And through that... Once we've come back to the realization of what we're here for and what this is all about, we need to start thinking about what's important again. We need to go back first to uh, the simplicity of the gospel so that we can prepare ourselves when the Father calls us into service. You know, we've got to be ready. First, we need to love the Lord your God with everything that you have. And, you, you know, you need to be there uh, and, and communicating with God and fellowshipping with Him and listening to Him so you know what His will is and so that you can be a part of what He's doing in and around you. Second, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. How much do you really love yourself? That's how much you should be loving other people that are around you. And if we do these things... We will live. Luke ten twenty seven through 28. And this is out of the King James again. And he says, And he, he answered saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast answered right. Do this and thou shalt live. So the first thing in getting back to the Father's business is one, making sure where we're at and making sure we're following the commandments that He left for us. That we love Him, that we love our neighbors, and if we do these two things, that we will make it. Remember, the greatest thing that we can do is show love to everyone God puts in our path, thus showing Christ through you and through me. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and this is out of the Message Bible. It says, but for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us to that consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswaverly. Love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. So now that we've laid the groundwork or foundation, 
What is the practicality of spreading the gospel in today's society? Well, practical ways of sharing his love to others. I like what uh, Francis of I can't even say it. Assisi uh, stated: preach the gospel, but use little words. And he's not talking about taking down and saying, "Well, you know, you don't understand the the uh, the language that I'm speaking to you." He means not to say so much, but to show the love of God. We need to show the love of God to people around us, and they'll see that through us. They'll see the light of Jesus in you and in me. And I wrote down a few things that I thought about how to practically share his love to others. And Sister Kathy, if you have some more that you think of, just you know, enter in and, and share those as well. First, make yourself available to others in need. You know, there's a lot of people out there hurting, and they need someone. And you're that person that God will put in their path and God will put them in your path so that you can minister and so that you can share the gospel with them, not through words, but through deeds and actions. This is not only for you to make it to heaven, but that we take others along with us. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, let's make it all together. Let's not just leave somebody behind, but that we all make it together. Second thing that I thought about is show random acts of kindness. You know, when you do that, you, you touch people's hearts. Because you did it not for a reason, not to get something back or to, to get them to do something for you. You did this out of the love of your heart, the love of Christ to reach out to someone and say, you know, I I just feel like I really want to touch that person. They've not done anything for me, but God has something for them. And and I just want to show them that love. Thirdly, be ready when someone needs help with food. You know, we've let the, the social services system try to provide all of this stuff. And they do an okay job but they don't speak to the real essence of what's going on. And that's in their hearts. And we need to make sure that we speak to their hearts. I know that Sister Kathy always has more than enough food in her pantry and freezer to feed an additional family. You know, she can take from that and still have stuff for us and have enough to give another family. We all need to start doing the same things. We need to stop relying on the social services to take care of everything and say, well, you know, have you have you went down and, uh, and applied for food stamps? Uh, it's, a lot uh, of times families who need the assistance can't get it because they make too much money. But really, the too much money is not enough money. Or you've got individuals who are um, in need and are waiting to try to get some assistance and they can't get it because there's so many people wanting it. And they're just and not they're fast just, enough they're to get them They're just not the fast to give them the help that they need. I mean, I was looking yesterday on um, Craigslist here in our area and there was a man that was requesting for assistance and for help. 
Um, his family had moved here, and while he was down here in Miami, had went to Miami to visit a family member, his house burnt down in Alabama. They lost everything they had. They moved to Tampa, and when they moved to Tampa, they he's not had, but he works for himself and does, like, um, maintenance-type work and, and remodeling and stuff. He's had two jobs since he's been here. Um and he says he's got a family or two, and he's just trying to make it. He's just trying to make ends meet, just trying to to get to the next day and take care of his family. And those are individuals out there that are in the same situation that, you know, we can give help to. Yeah, you'd be surprised at how many middle-class families are considered the working poor. You know, they they may have a, a nice-looking car, they may have a nice-looking house, but they're strapped for mm-hmm. the last dime or penny that's in their pocket. And sometimes they need the help, too. And we need to help them in, in those times of needs. And then not just let it be that, but we need to start speaking into their lives and, and saying there's a better way. And that better way is through Jesus Christ. And if we do that, we've opened up a door to minister to that family in their times of need and to fill those voids in their heart that they have, that they don't know how to fill it themselves. But we can lead them to a loving God, one who has gone out of his way to to seek them out, uh, to find them and bring them home. So we need to be doing the same thing. One of the other things I thought about, and, and I've heard this done before, but start praying for the people in your neighborhood. Walk down the street. Pray for the families that are there in your neighborhood. That's another thing that you can do. Uh, I've heard in past where people have done that, and they actually start talking to the neighbors uh, and stuff after a while, and they start sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them as well. And one of the other things that uh, is not a practical way of sharing the love of, uh, of God so much is to be a healer. Be a paramedic of this world, healing the broken hearts and letting God be the defender of the faith. You know, so many times we, we look at people and we, we make judgments on them. We need to stop the judging let God defend himself because he's better at it than we are. He didn't ask us to defend him. He asked us to love. And if we'll do that, we'll see more people one to the kingdom of God. This ministry was started off on talking to, to individuals and pastors that have left the church for whatever reason that were hurt. Their hearts were broken. And they needed a touch from someone who wouldn't criticize them, wouldn't say, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, but just love on them and let God and the Holy Spirit speak to their hearts. So today I just want to say, let's stop focusing on the bad things that are going on in this world. Let's have peace during this time. And let's start doing what the Father has called us to do. Let's get about the Father's business today. 
maybe over the next couple of weeks we'll start sharing some more things of of ministry and how to reach out and and touch people's lives and stuff. But today, just take those those four those four or five things uh, to heart. Make yourself available to, to others in need. Show random acts of kindness. Be ready when someone needs help with food. Start praying for your neighborhood and be a healer. Father, right now I pray, like Father, that the words that have been spoken today, Father, that they would not be void, Father, but people would take them to heart. Father, that they would say, yes, I want to do those things. I want to be that light to this lost and dying world. I want to be that paramedic healing those that are brokenhearted. Father, Lord, just let them take it to heart, not just in their mind, but in their actions and in their deeds. Not just a hearer of of the word, but a doer also. Father, so that the love of God would be shown to everyone that they come across and everyone that you put in their path for your glory and your glory only. We pray and we ask this in your name. Amen and amen. This morning, again, we're going to be talking on let God work his will in you. Again, this was part of a message, uh, well, actually a verse that was given to us during our prayer conference this month that became very relevant to, to us as a ministry, but to each of us as individual Christians and stuff. And I'm going to ask Sister um, Terry to read it out of, what version do you have there, Sister Terry? New King, New King James. Uh, New King James Version is what she's going to be reading out of to start off with. We're going to read the whole chapter. It sounds like it's going to be long, but it's not really that long. So that way you get a gist of what the whole story is here, not just a piece of the information and then building off of that. Uh, We want you to know the whole world and it's in its entirety together. Sister Terry? Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he, gave, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. 
Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Thank you, Sister Terry. Now, we're going to read this same set of scriptures from James 4 in the Message Bible. Now, we use several different versions of the Bible here. And it's not that we, we say one's better than the other or one's not better than the other, but they all have something in them that can help you to understand what God's trying to say. So you'll hear us a lot of times use the King James Version and then we'll go to the Message Version. And that's okay, as long as the word is consistent between the two versions. Again, you have to remember that we use translations. We don't use uh, interpretations here at Hiding Place Ministry. So when you hear this, it's a translation of what the word says in either a more modern language than what we're used to in the King James language. So, Sister Kathy, would you please read us that uh, same set of scriptures? Okay, this is James 4. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you, you have no right to. You're spoiled children, each wanting your own way. You're cheating on God. If you all want, if, if all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up with enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it all. He is freely a jealous lover. And what he gives is love a far better than anything else you'll want. You'll find it's common knowledge that God goes against the will properly proud, the willfully proud. God gives his grace to the willing hum, humble. So let God do let God's work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in the in the no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Don't badmouth each other. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human dis destiny. What do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? Nothing but a whisper or a fog. And now I have a word for, for you who bashfully announced today at the latest tomorrow. We're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business and make lots of money. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're nothing but a wisp of frog, a fog, catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit to say, it's, if the master wills and we're still alive, we'll do this or that. As it is, you are the full of your gregarious selves. All such va vaunting self-importance is evil. 
in fact, if you know the right thing to do and don't do it, that for you is evil. I want to tell you a little bit about the, the book that we're reading in. Uh, James writes to how to be a good Christian, how to live uh, a life for Christ. And in this uh, single chapter, he has two main things that he's sharing here. One, about submitting ourselves to God. And secondly, not boasting about tomorrow. We, we have to acknowledge our enemy and who he is. We have to acknowledge that the devil is out there to try to, to tear us down, to break our will, to bite at other people, to criticize other people. And today's society, we, we support that so much that, you know, as long as it feels good to me, it's all right. You know, if, if uh, as long as I'm not hurting someone else, it's okay to do it. You know, it, or it's all about me. You know, what I want. And I think that's what he was talking about in the first part of the, the scriptures there. Is that we're so much into the me, me, me deal that we forget about the love we're supposed to be showing to others. And that we're supposed to be caring for one another. And yet we forget that there's an enemy out there trying to tear us down and to deceive us but it was Christ's accomplishment on the cross that made everything alright his death his resurrection that's where we get our spiritual authority over the advocate the devil it's through him and him alone And then the second deal is, is, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm going to have a fancy car. I'm going to, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to show these people how to do their stuff right because they just don't know how to do it. All of these things are all about them as an individual and not about Jesus Christ and about what we're supposed to be doing. We don't need to ignore God because God has a plan for each and every one of us. And we have to remember that God is the final authority on what's going to happen and what's going to take place. Because we don't know tomorrow what it's going to bring. We don't know tomorrow uh, whether we're going to walk out our front door or not or whether we're going to be carried away in an ambulance or f with a hearse. We don't know whether our job's going to be there tomorrow or not. But we have to rely upon God and seek God when we say, you know, I'd really like to, to, to step out and do this with God's help, with God's word. When we have him on our side, all things are possible. But if we leave him out, he lets us go our merry way. And then all of a sudden we fall down and we start complaining and griping and groaning as to, you know, why have you done this? Why, you know, isn't things just going great? It's because you went off on your own. You left God out of what you were doing. And when we do that, we fall flat on our face. Some of the things that are brought out in the scripture 
is to acknowledge the enemy, the devil, and understand his tactics, what he's going to do, how he's going to tear us apart. To acknowledge God is in our life, and that we have to have him, or else we're not going to make it. To acknowledge who Christ is through these scriptures. To acknowledge we need to change our way and not leave God out of our lives. To acknowledge that we're not judges. And that there's only one judge. And that's God the Father. So we have no right judging individuals as to their status as a Christian. As to what they're doing. Because God's the only one who can do that. And God's the only one that knows the intent of the heart. Sometimes we see an individual and something's uh, happen that we go oh that's just not Christian like or whatever the case might be but you don't know what they're going through you don't know what they've just been through maybe they need somebody to come and encourage them and say it's going to be alright someone to share with them the true love of Jesus Christ and help them get back on their feet so many times we fall down but the deal is is getting back up and sometimes we need a hand in getting back up sometimes we need that other brother or sister in the Lord to him say, it's all right, you're going to make it. And I'm going to be here with you until you do get through it. And I'm going to be with you even after you go through it. Because we want to make it together. We don't want to leave anyone behind. That's what's important. That's, that's why the Bible says, forsake not the fellowshipping of one another with each other. We need the fellowship. We need to uphold and... And lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ. How do you know if somebody's being left behind if you're not if you're not fellowshipping, fellowshipping with, them. with them? That's right. And then I think the last thing was acknowledge who is in control of our day to day life. Now I want to read just a portion of this scripture, and this portion comes is James four seven through ten. I'm going to read it in the King James, and then I'm going to read it in the Message. Because this was the part that, that God gave us during the prayer conference. And I think it's very relevant as today and as the world is and what our, our job is and our task is and what we're supposed to remember uh, to do. And James 4, 7 through 10 says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter turn into mourning, and your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Now, I read that, and that's a scripture I think I've heard a lot of times. Resist the devil, and he will flee. But I want to read it out of the Message Bible because I think it, it, it speaks a little bit more to us as to what he was trying to say. And this is out of the Message. So let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. If you have to, this is what verse 9 says, hit bottom and cry your eyes out. 
The fun and games are over. Get serious. Really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It is the only, and I reiterate, the only way you'll get on your feet. We have to stop playing games. We, we are hearing more and more people saying that, that you know, these are the final days. And I, I believe that. These are the final days. And we have a job to do, but we can't do them if we're playing around with God. If we're saying yes to God one minute and then running off and doing whatever we want the next minute. You could really go one step deeper into that, that uh, if you're not saved this morning and you, you've known God, but you've been playing and dabbling in things that you shouldn't be dabbling in, now is the time to get serious because Christ is coming back soon. It We don't know the hour, the day when he comes, but it is coming soon. The signs of this world are telling us that he is coming and that it will not be much longer. Our time is short here on earth. And we our need time to short live here on earth, whether it's, it's for Christ's coming or our life ending. So time being short can be relevant in two two aspects of his That's return right. or as well as our life expectancy here on this earth. You know, our life is just a vapor, a whisper. Just as the scriptures have told us uh, before here in this fourth chapter, we don't know how long we're going to be here on this earth. We don't know whether we're going to be here tomorrow or whether we're going to be swept away. We don't this morning we're going to go into the to the Word. We hope that you'll get out your Bibles real quick. Uh, dust them off if you have to. Whatever the case might be. But we want to share the living Word of God with you. And you need to know for yourself what the Word says. So grab your Bibles and uh, let's get started this morning. This morning we've titled this, Living the Life. Well, the life of what? Is my question. And the life to me was living the life of, of holiness and sanctification. And this comes out of 1 Peter 1.16, where it talks about being holy. And in the King James it says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And in the message it says, God said, I am holy, you be holy. Well, what is holiness, I guess, is the big question. Holiness and sanctification sort of share some of the same traits uh, with each other. And I'm going to ask that, you know, Pastor Terry and, and Pastor Jody, if they have comments to, to break in and maybe help clarify some things, or if they have something that they want to add, just to step right in and, and uh, add their, their thoughts into this as well this morning. One uh, commentator or um, had put it this way. It said, Holiness is what God is. Holiness also comprises His plan for His people. In the, um, when I was looking this up in the dictionary, it came up with, in the highest sense, belonging to God and to Christians, as 
consecrated to God's service. And in so far as they are confronted in all things to the will of God. It also goes on and states, personal holiness is a work of gradual development, is carried out under many hindrances, hence the frequent admonitions to watchfulness, prayer, and perseverance. And these comes out of uh, out of Romans six nineteen, First Corinthians uh, one thirty, uh, Revelations five fourteen, Ephesians four uh, twenty three and twenty four. Uh, what I'll do is I'll post these scriptures up if you want to go back and look through them uh, yourselves. Well, I think about this, and I says, well, okay, we're we're supposed to be holy. Well. You know what? What does that mean? What does that mean to you, Sister Terry? What is what does being holy mean to you? Oh my goodness. Um, I guess it would mean trying to be more like God, trying to become more like Him, to behave the way He would, to think the way He would. Um, that's what. That's what I would think. Well, th- that hits it right on the head. That's what holy really holiness really means to be more like him. Sorry. And and to follow after him and to seek doing his will or seeking after the will of the Father. And like he, like it said here in the earlier uh comment, well, this is a gradual development. This doesn't happen overnight because we have our own human feelings and needs and our own way of thinking. And it takes time for us to realize it's not about me anymore, but it's about God. And what does God want? And what is He looking for me to do or for me to say? It's just like a baby. A baby doesn't grow, get born, and know all there is to know about what's right what's wrong. How to walk, how to talk. Exactly. They don't know those things. They have to learn it. And it... As they get older, they learn to talk. They learn to um, what is right, what is wrong by the teachings of their parents. Um, They continue to grow and learn when they go to school. And our Christian walk is the same way. We, We start off as babies. No one expects a newborn Christian to know everything. And as we get older and more mature in Christ... We begin to know more and more of how we should live a life for Christ. And we can become that holy person that, that God wants us to be because we, we, we look in the Bible. The Bible teaches us what we need to, to do to live a life for Christ and um, shows us how to live. And the Bible is that guidebook to help us reach that goal of holiness or sanctification. Big words, but really it just means following after Him and and doing the will of what the Father wants us to do. But to get there, we, we've got to, to take away those things that, that have led us astray over all the years. And we have to relearn how to do certain things, how to speak how to talk, how to walk again. This goes back to our our being when we first accept Jesus Christ 
as, as our personal Savior. At that point, what happens in our lives? What happens when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior? We're changed. Aren't we? Do you have something you want to add, Pastor Jody, there? No, I was just getting ready to say we change. And, you know, that was a lot for me when I gave my life to the Lord because I came from, you know, a worldly background. And that I was a baby and still am a baby and, and, you know, growing each and every day to become more holy and, and reading the Word of God and just, you know, pressing forth for the ultimate prize of becoming more like Christ every day. That's right, and that's exactly the same thing that we're, we're talking about. That things, things that were important to us beforehand sort of starts taking a back seat because we realize there's something more that God has for us and that the more we seek after Him, the more the things that we wanted become in, become in the background and He comes to the, to the foreground. Our focus then needs to be on, on what? On the kingdom. Not ourselves any longer. And what are some of those... What does that mean? Well, I, I jotted down about, I think, about five different items uh, here that I thought I brought off the top of my head. And there's many more to go along with this. But these are some of the things we start focusing on. After we've accepted Jesus Christ, we go forth. And the first thing that I put down was our relationship with Christ. Our first love. Mark twelve uh, thirty says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. So the first thing that has to change is, is our relationship with Christ. We're now in relationship with Him, and we need to seek our first love. We need to give everything that we are over to Him. Secondly, our relationship with others. Because if you read on with that scripture, and in the 31st verse it says, And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So the second part of it is our relationship with with others, our neighbors as ourselves. Taking on those those burdens when somebody's in need and, and feeling it in your heart and in your soul and that you want to cry out with them or you want to weep with them when things are going on in their life. We become so callous in today's world that that we see a disaster happen and yeah, we're concerned, but we're not to the point of wanting to break down and cry with them over their loss over their suffering, over their pain. We just say, oh, I, you know, it's, it's a tragedy. And that's where we leave it at. Well, that's not how we treat ourselves. Man, if something bad happens to us, we're crying out to God. We're going, oh God, you know, I'm in this disaster. This terrible thing has happened to me. Listen, God, I'm here. You know, listen to what I have to say. You know, take care of my needs. But then when it comes to somebody else, 
We say, okay, oh well, I'm sorry to hear about that. And that's all there is. And that's because we don't have that compassion or that love that we need. Thirdly, our commission is one of the things that I thought of. Evangelism. Mark 16 and 15 says, And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. And there's more to that verse talking about baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then after that, He talks about discipling them. So you just don't leave them alone. You say, yes, you've accepted Jesus Christ. Come over next uh, tomorrow or the next day and let's do some. Let's have some fellowship with each other. And then let us break the word of life together with each other. So that you can learn from our experiences and what's happened in our life. And so we can help you over, reach over those hurdles. No wonder so many Christians are having so many problems. They don't have anybody to talk to. They don't have anybody to share with. And so in turn they're going, God, why am I not like so-and-so? They seem always to be happy. They seem always to be glad. There seems to be nothing going on. You know, they, They're they just sitting on cloud nine all but the time. I, but I think that they fail to see that they had problems once too, but they fell and they got up. They got up and, and kept going. You know what I'm saying? I mean... As, as you start your walk with Christ, you fall, and you have to get up again and keep walking. That's right. And, and part of that is having the fellowship with other believers so that you can see that you can make it and that you can get back up out of that, that miry clay, so to speak, and, and get back on your feet and, and start continuing the race. What I've seen happen so many times is they fall, and because they think that that they fell in and, and nobody else seems to be having that problem, that they're never going to be able to get up out of that and that the enemy is going to be pressing down on them, keeping them in the miry clay or the muck of this world and that there's no getting away from it. There's no release from it so that they can, they can get up and, and continue the race. We have a calling from God Almighty. Before He left this earth, He commissioned us or commanded us to do these things. And yet, are we? Is, I guess, probably the biggest question. Are we really doing the will of God in our life? Or are we after what we can get and what we can make of ourselves? Those are some questions that need to be answered. Number four sort of fell into the same realm. I think I sort of covered over both of them uh, just a second ago. Our family, the body of Christ, the believers, says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 12, for, the body, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. You know, we're all a part of the body of Jesus Christ. And when one part of the body hurts, all the body hurts. Or all the body should be hurting along with them. Not criticizing, not pointing fingers at one another, but saying, let's get through this. Let's get over this 
this hurdle. Let's continue the race even farther. Another scripture talked about, and I can't remember where it's at right this moment, but it talks about, you know, we're supposed to be looking out for each other, making sure that we all make it together. It makes makes me think of uh, several months ago when we were talking about the armor of God and how that um, part of the armor of God is is really taking and standing up for your brothers in Christ and and being there with them to fight with them and help them to win the race. You can't fight a battle if you ain't there and you ain't got your armor on. And then five, it says our work. You know, I, I see this as, as the things that we need to take care of our day-to-day stuff. God's going to take control of that. But God is going to use what you do, what God has gifted you with, to help doing that. You know, uh, I'm going to read out of Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So many times we worry about where's the next dollar is going to come from, where's the next next pot of beans going to come from. But God said He would supply the needs. But there's a condition to this supplying the needs. And what's that condition? What's the condition, Sister Terry? What's the condition for God supplying? Uh, our every need. Um, I I don't know. What was the first commandment that we that we talked about? To love God first. That's part of the 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 conditions. You know, we have to seek after Him. We have to follow after Him, mm-hmm. and then. He'll do all these other things. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. These are the things that we're talking about, the things that, that, are, that supply our needs. And I know I put you on the spot, Sister Terry, and I, I apologize for that. I know I get put on the spot and I go blank sometimes myself uh, with it. But you know, I, I want us to think about you know, God supplying our needs and those needs are supplied because we seek after God. You know, you can't get, expect God to say, "Oh, I'm going to take care of all your needs. Uh, I don't care how you live. I don't care what you do. I don't care where you go." You know, if, if you could say, "You know, I'm going to be a mass murderer," and then ask God to supply your needs, I'm not sure God's going to really do that. Or if you're after taking advantage of people's lives. Uh, is God going to really supply your needs by doing that? That's not what Christ teaches. But what He does teach is seeking the kingdom, seeking after God. And then He would supply all the needs that you have. The world tells us to think about ourselves and what we want for ourselves. But Christ tells us to do the opposite. He tells us to care about other things, about the people around us, about how we can reach out to them. 
those are the things that he that he talks when he talks about the armor of God. He's talking about about love, peace, patience, kindness. These are the things that he that he's trying to to place in our heart. And this is getting to that spot of holiness that we're talking about, because if we're seeking after God, then we're going to see those things change in our lives. We're going to see those things happen where we're going to have that compassion for others. The question is, are you really sold out to Christ or not? Are you really doing some of the things that we just mentioned here? Are we seeking God? Are we taking care of of people that are around us? Crying with them when they need someone to have a shoulder to cry on. Helping them with a food box if they need a food box. Just being there sometimes and just listening to them sometimes can be just what that person needs. And are we evangelizing? Are we taking the Great Commission forward? Or are we looking at you know, my job and saying, well, you know, my, my job's so important. I, I, my focus has got to be on it. It can't be on Christ because I got to make that buck and I got to get out there and, um, and make that dollar because if I don't, we don't eat. Well, it, with that attitude and that frame of mind, you better make the buck and you better make the dollar because that's about the only way that your needs are going to get met. But Christ says is if you follow after Him, then you don't have to worry about it. God's going to take care of your needs. You know, I'm I'm thinking of of so many of our pastors and um, those of you who are familiar with Hiding Place Ministry knows that Hiding Place Ministry does not financially um, support on a monthly basis our pastors and our missionaries. They're all self-supporting. Um we have seen so many of our pastors um, doing these things that are on the, you know, they they love God first, and then they love their neighbors, and they care about them. And we've seen God provide everything that they need for ministering, up what they need and above even at times. That's right. And it, God has supplied the needs for these missionaries, for the pastors, and and what I mean, it's amazing the things that we've seen God do, where buildings have just been given to pastors to have church in, where food has just uh, surprisingly they get a call and oh we've got all this food for you, where the food pantry was empty and they couldn't help anyone because the food pantry was empty. And God provided what they need. Where um, Ken Harley somehow just all of a sudden, where you know he was ministering in when he was ministering in Korea, all of a sudden the money just happened to come and was supplied. God has been faithful to supply all those needs to these people, but these people first put God first in their lives and loved God with all their hearts all that was within them and then they were open to sharing with others and those around them and concern and and caring for those around them and and wanting to share the gospel and wanting to um to to be there for these other people and then god supplied whatever it was they needed 
We've seen that so many times. That's right. And, and I'm not talking about people quitting their jobs uh, and stuff because that may be the means that God's using. Matter of fact, I'm going to uh, talk about a book that's out that that helps you look at, at uh, um, what God has given you and how he uses that to help supply the need. And then God just always does that little beyond thing. Just like with, with Pastor uh, Jody here. You know, he was, he was working a regular job, making a living. He was still doing ministry. Then God allowed him to take on a job position that not only gives him the things that he needs for his family to meet their needs, but also on top of that to minister at the same time with, a, with an outreach uh, that ministers to people and churches and groups on a regular basis. So, Pastor Jody sort of got a double blessing. Uh, God just opened up the that. door. Yeah, we worry about our careers and how much we're going to make. Sometimes we put Christ in second place, and then sometimes we put Him out altogether. God has given each and every one of you a gift, something special about you and you alone. You know, some of you can sing, some of you can invent things, some of you can manage money, some of you can play sports very well and can make a living doing that. Others uh, are leaders of people. Some of us are teachers. God has given each one of us a special gift and a purpose for that gift. And I hear stories where where Christian athletes have gone out and, and are in the, the football arenas or the basketball arenas or whatever sports field that they're involved in, and they still put Christ first. And they use that gift as a tool to reach out to others. We need to start thinking about, if you don't already know where your gifting is, you need to start thinking about what has God given me that I can use, not only to help supply my needs, but to also use it as a tool for ministry. And ministry meaning the main part of the reason why you're there, not a secondary reason. Now, I've seen a lot of Christian athletes. I've seen a lot of Christian people that sing. We were talking about it um, last week. I think me and you were talking about it. Or maybe it was me and Pastor Sam. I don't remember which one. Had to be you and Sam because I was was here last week. (laughs) Talking about some of these singers who had started off in the church singing, had beautiful voices and stuff, and then they started going to the secular market and 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 singing secular music. Which I don't have a problem with people singing secular music and stuff, but as long as is what they're portraying is still Christ. But what happens to some of them is they get so caught up. In, in the fame and the glory of it all, that when they first started off, Christ was the main reason. But then all of a sudden, Christ is being pushed farther and farther to the side, where sooner or later, God isn't even in the picture at all. And then what happens to some of these, these people where they get into drugs and, and sex and, and you name it, because all of a sudden they've lost their first love and now they're 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 going something's missing again and they're so caught up in everything else they forget what it is they're missing and that was that first love that they had with Jesus Christ 
That was the most important thing. And if they get back focused, then they can put Christ back in their life. I've seen a lot of secular singers go down the tubes afterwards after they forgot about Christ in their lives and and promoting Jesus Christ even through their music as well as through their testimonies and, and have lost it. So we need to start thinking about this. There's a good book that's out uh, that is by... Hang on a second, let me get to it. Uh, by Max Licato. The book is called, because I always get it mixed up, Cure for the Common Life. And basically what it what it does is it takes you through the things that have happened in your life when you were young, when you were a teenager, and up into adulthood. And he makes you start thinking about, you know, what are the things is that you like doing? What were the things that stood out in your life growing up? And once you start looking at those things, you start seeing a pattern there. And what he tries to do is help you through some worksheets in the back of the book to focus on those things that that, that has made a difference in your life or the things that you love the most. And then eventually, as you go through the thing, you start seeing where that gift that God has given you. And that then you can take that gift and start using it for the kingdom of God. You can take that gift and start working in that in that area uh, in the secular world. And then you just take what you have there and you use it for the kingdom of God. Remember, our most important deals are to love the Lord our God, to love our neighbor as ourself. But then we've given that commission to evangelize. I think we forgot about evangelism. Evangelism isn't something that happens in the church, in the four walls of a church building. Evangelism happens in the hearts and the minds of the individual Christians to take the living word to every one of us, every person that's around them, to go out into the highways and the hedges, to go out on the street corner or to the cubicle next to you and share the love of Jesus Christ with others. Pastor Sam Holland works as um, um, a medical uh, in a medical facility where they deal with all of the paperwork for people that are having insurance and covering need uh, Medicare, Medicare, and stuff like that, and the supplies they need or the the doctor stuff, and he deals with that. But he does that as a job. But he also reaches out to the people in that workplace. He also supplies food there, finds out the needs of the individuals that are around him, talks with them, shares with them. Doesn't actually go out and say, you know, hey, I'm a Christian, you know, you should be one too. He starts showing the love of Jesus Christ to those that are around him. And through that, he finds out about needs. He finds out about people that are hurting. And then he starts meeting those needs. He starts praying with those people. He brings food in for those people that need food. Because it's not a job. It's a ministry. It's a means to an end, you could say. The work helps me supply my day-to-day stuff that I need to live off of. And God makes sure that it, that I have a job to go to. But then we're supposed to take it that step further. We're supposed to take that job and say, yes, I have to. I do this for a living, 
But my ultimate purpose and goal is to minister to people that are around me. All of the people, all the apostles, all had a career. And they could do those things when they needed to. Tent making, fishing, you know, physician, whatever, whatever it was. They could do those things. And God has given each and every one of you guys a special gift out there. And all He's doing is waiting on you now to say, God, I love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And God, teach me to love my neighbors as myself, that I can have that compassion that's needed. And then God, let me speak life into those people I meet. Let me share the true love of Jesus Christ. Not religion, but the love of Jesus Christ to others around us. And in doing so, you fulfill all the commandments, he says. If you do these things, you fill everything that, that's required of you or that I've asked of you to do. And then lastly... I want to read Hebrews 12 and 1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compressed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And that race is becoming holy, becoming sanctified, showing compassion becoming more like Jesus in our everyday today life to run the race that's set before us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You this day for Your Word. I thank You for showing us, God, what we need to be doing, talking to our hearts and our minds and our souls and spirits, showing us Your will, Your purpose, showing us that we need to be more holy. We need to be more sanctified. We need to be seeking after You with all of our heart and compassion, just like Abraham did. Father, Lord, I pray a blessing upon each person that was listening this day. Lord, that they would find that gifting that You've given them, Father. That then they can see it as a tool to reach out to other people. That they can see that it's more than just a job to go to. It's more than just even meeting their daily needs, Father, but it's an outreach to them to share the gospel of a living and true God with those around them. Not speaking words so much, but in their actions, Father. And let their actions speak out so that others would come to them and say, why are you so different? What's going on in, in your life that's so different in mine that you seem to be happy and you seem to be joyous all the time and it seems like I'm struggling? And let them be honest with them and let them be true with them, telling them that, yes, they have struggles and, yes, they have hard times, but they make it each and every day through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary's tree for them and for you. And with that, we can make it because Jesus Christ is there beside us each and every day, helping to lead us and to guide us. And your Holy Spirit is there to help teach us so that we can learn and we can become more holy and we can become more sanctified and that we would follow after you as our personal Savior. 
We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.